uh, we are speaking now with my new guest, Robert Moss. Robert is the author of Sidewalk Oracles and numerous other books about dreaming, shamanism, and imagination. He's a novelist, poet, and independent scholar, and the creator of Active Dreaming, his own synthesis of dreamwork and shamanism. Robert leads creative and shamanic adventures all over the world, and wouldn't you like to join them? You can visit him online at mossdreams.com. And today we're going to talk about his book, Sidewalk Oracles, Playing with Signs, Symbols, and Synchronicity in Everyday Life. Welcome, Robert. Good to be with you, Miriam, and thanks for that vibrant introduction. I must say, if, if, if I may, that we had some problems getting hooked up on the phone just now, and it reminds me of a theme that is very familiar to many, many people who remember their dreams. The theme is having trouble getting through to someone on the phone, right? Lots of us dream that. I dream it sometimes two times a week. It's easy enough to read symbolically, but we always want to be alert to the possibility that a dream like that is a literal advisory. I don't recall exactly dreaming the little hookup issue we had today, but I'm certain that I did. So this leads to one of my mantras about life, Miriam, and it's this, and breaks the bridge to the new book, too. We need to take dreams more literally. We need to take the, the events of waking life more symbolically. Well, that's fascinating, and I'm really wondering what the universe is trying to tell us about these connectivity issues, because they have been absolutely bedeviling us on this show over the last really? few shows, yes. Well, to see, this is, this is a game, isn't it? I mean, everything is a learning opportunity in the school of life. You know that well, I think. So if I'm having trouble getting through to the right number, I'm going to ask... How many situations of life might that apply to? If it's my life, and it is because we shared this situation, I'm thinking, did I give the right number? Did I get clarity about who I am and where I am to be found? Do I need to make sure that I have better connectivity, better lines of communication and engagement with other people? And the answer to those questions is always a sort of yes, isn't it? Because however hard we try and have, or however well we do, we could always do better in communicating about ourselves and other things to other people. So there's a symbolic message in the situation, as I find there often is in everyday situations. Right. Well, uh, <laughs> What I find so fascinating about the, your book in general is the element of magic that it brings in. Is the universe um, really the magical place that you would have us believe it is? Well, it is if you're open for it, but I must put it this way, Miriam. Uh, if you don't have magic inside you, you probably won't find magic around you. So it has a lot to do with attitude. I mean, my book and my approach has a great deal to do to, to, with, with attitude. I look at it this way. Your attitude is going ahead of you in life. It's what you meet around the next corner. Your attitude's gone ahead of you, and it's already shaping the events and encounters and circumstances. You'll run into, if you like, this is the famous or infamous law of attraction, and it's a real law. So if you are going around with a certain set of attitudes that confine you to a rather dreary, dull attitude towards reality, then probably the universe is going to support you and mirror that attitude back to you, and the world might seem to be lacking in charm, romance, and magic. But if you're simply open, and being open is, is where we begin, being open to new things turning up, being open to the idea, for example, as you walk down any street or drive or take the train on any commute, 
that interesting things might turn up. There might be a story in that stranger who takes the seat next to you on the subway or the train or the plane. Uh, the first thing that pops up on a gritty urban street or on the drive home might be the world speaking to you in a language of signs and symbols, that the call of that bird, that snatch of overheard conversation, the vanity plate on that car could all hold messages to you. And one of the games I teach people to play is to link things that pop up in your field of perception like that to themes you are carrying. You may or may not have posed a question to the world, but the world might be giving you a kind of message relevant to you anyway. So, yes, magic is there. It's waiting for us. It is an enchanted universe. But to find it, we have to be open to the enchantment. I find it interesting that you, your use of the term games, because you, in fact, throughout the book, there, there are many games that you suggest we play. We tend to take ourselves so seriously as we're trying to do our best in the world, you know, and, and figure out how it all works. And what I um, really commend to uh, the listener and commend you for is trying to lighten it all up and bring some fun into life. You know, when I was writing my first book on all of this, it was called Conscious Dream, it came out. This will be the 20th year since its publication. I've done a dozen since then. I keep turning them out. I was writing my first book about dreaming, imagination, and mag everyday magic, and I asked for a dream of guidance. This is something anyone can do anytime. You ask the night for a dream, or you ask the world for synchronicity. I asked for guidance on how to help more people understand the magic of dreams. And I dreamed that I'm in something like a big three-ring circus, and there's a clownish character in a loud suit like a, rail, like a racetrack pelt who's jumping up and down and turning ridiculous acrobatic uh, tricks. And I'm thinking, is this the guide? I'm becoming lucid in the dream. I think, this my guide, this loud sort of shabby character smoking a big cigar. He jumps into the bleachers. He's smooching with an attractive lady in the bleachers. And I'm still thinking, is this the guide? Where's my guidance? And the guy leers at me and gives me a terrible wink around the shoulder of the blonde uh, and says around the corner of his cigar, it's about entertainment, kid. It's about entertainment. <laughs> I woke up laughing. I mean, what a gift it is to have something that lightens the day and just you know, gets you out of bed with a belly laugh or gets you down the street laughing and smiling for that matter. I got the message. It's about entertainment. We have so many chores to take care of. We have so many problems that are weighing upon us. There are things wrong with the country, with the world, with our health, with our family. We know all that. So let's find a way to charm our way through the dark days and, and have some more fun. So yes, this is a book of games. It's a book of games and it's a book of stories because I find that people can learn from stories and they can carry them with them and retain them much better than any number of abstract contracts. Uh, well, uh, concepts. So I teach my stories and I offer games. Robert, it sounds like we actually are connected to the station, so <laughs> we're going to take a break and then we will be right back with Robert Moss. Your conscious connection to a more mindful world. Ohm Times Radio, IOM FM. Have you ever wondered how to change your love paradigm? The secret key is finding a love partnership, not just a regular connection. How do you find these? Through conscious relationships. Ascending Hearts Dating is a dating site for people like you that believes in second chances and a different type of spiritual connection. Try Ascending Hearts for free today at AscendingHearts.com and change your love paradigm. Ascending Hearts, the premier dating community for the spiritually awake. 
Host your show on IOM FM, the radio network of Old Time Media, one of the more recognized brand names in the conscious community, and is backed by the extensive marketing reach of Ohm Times. Hosting a show on IOM FM immediately connects you with our extensive, dedicated community, bringing you the best of the conscious minds in the world. Ohm Times Radio, your conscious lifestyle on steroids. And we are back speaking with Robert Moss, the author of Sidewalk Oracles, playing with signs, symbols, and synchronicity in everyday life. Try to say that three times quickly. Robert, what website do people go to to find out more about your work? Well, Moss Dreams, M-O-S-S, Dreams, plural, Moss Dreams, and stuff that grows on trees plus dreams, that's my basic website. Of course, I teach all over the place, as you know. I have a vast calendar of of workshops all over, and I teach online courses for the Shift Network. So there are lots of ways of actually getting to an experience with me. And I'm an experiential teacher. I like to facilitate adventures that people can live and learn from from themselves, not just talk at the moment, though I like to talk and I like to write. So as you said, the new book is a book of games. It's it's an invitation to to have an adventure any day of your life, starting with the first moment you step out into the street and carry on from there. I was impressed, actually, with the writing itself. You you write so beautifully. And then I gleaned somewhere in the book that you also do writing workshops. Is that still happening? I do. Actually, probably my personal favorite amongst all the adventures I lead is an unusual week-long program called Writing as a State of Conscious Dreaming. I mean, it's the invitation to the ultimate flow experience, and you can imagine it. If you've known what it's like to be in a lucid dream adventure and enjoying it, then you can imagine probably very easily what it would be like to write in a similar state. If you've been in the zone in any field of life, the zone the way that athletes talk about it, you know what it's like if you've been lucky enough to know this as a writer or an artist. Again, you know. So, and we, we learn to take our dreams and turn them into stories. We learn with permission to borrow other people's stories and write from them. And we journey together with shamanic drumming into places like a magical library, a dream library, where we can meet a master teacher, an exemplar in our own field, and even read sometimes the books we haven't published in this world yet and bring back a <laughs> So it's probably, I don't know that there's any writing retreat on the planet that's quite like this one. So that's my favorite. Oh, the idea of reading a book you haven't written yet sounds fascinating. It's a bit harder for for writers to bring the pages back than it is for my artist friends to bring back a picture, although some of them will say it's a really good picture and it's going to be executed in oils. That takes a bit of time to do. But I've seen people bring back really an extraordinary amount of inspiration. I've seen scripts, novels, nonfiction books, memoirs, and we emerge with surprising rapidity. And we even do things like this. We do a lot of theater and performance in my live workshops. For example, you've got a dream, you've got a story from your life. Let's act it out. Let's have people play roles. Let's have them talk to you, interview your characters if it's a dream. And so if you've got a, a manuscript you're working on and you need some help, we might play act the next scene or two for you if it's fiction or a script. See how that comes out. I know a novelist who has blocked a chapter three in a book. We acted out the next two chapters. She got the book written and got it published the following year. As I say, it's an unusual writing workshop. You're not just sitting around with your head down and then critiquing each other. We're, we're a lot more active than that. Well, you are very much the the uh, uh, 
into playing and, and games. And so let's get back to your book that we're promoting today, The Sidewalk Oracles. You invented a word called chiromancy. I kept on trying to figure out what that meant. Tell us. Oh, I, made it, I made it up. So if you're having difficulty with it, that's for a, that's for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, well, I was looking for a new word for synchronicity. Mr. Jung, who is a classical scholar as well as all else, gave us the word synchronicity. It's basically trying to give us a label for meaningful coincidence that sounds important and scientific and respectable, and it does. People sort of nod their heads when you say synchronicity, but look a bit befuddled when you say coincidence. But I'm not really satisfied with it. Synchronicity etymologically just means things happening at the same time, and that's not necessarily all that's going on. You can have a run of events connected in the way of meaningful coincidence over a period of time. Things come up again and again and again, as Jung himself noted. So anyway, I was looking for a synonym, a new word, uh, for to define this phenomenon, and I gave up. I, I really couldn't come up with a new one. There's some old ones that are interesting. But I realized that actually what we needed more than another word for synchronicity, is the, the, the encounter, with, which is when the universe gets personal. We all know it in our feelings. Something is inside you and suddenly it's mirrored at you by the world. You're thinking about a certain theme and then there it is in front of you on the side of that truck and the paper of that dog in that unexpected phone call. We know it. I realize that what I wanted, what we need, is a word for the practice of living by observing synchronicity, of taking advantage of signs and symbols that pop up around you. And I thought, well, one of the things that goes on in the experience of synchronicity is you sometimes have a sense that time has changed, time is working differently. Sometimes it's as if time has stopped. Sometimes it feels as if time is getting more expansive. You're in a different space. Sometimes it actually feels as if something, some power that lives outside time is reaching through into the ordinary world and connecting with you in some way. Well, we see that in the old saying that coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. You know, <laughs> from outside time is reaching through, tickling you, pushing you back. So I thought, well, what is a word that would convey something about that, about that quality that time is different, that this is a special moment? and it's a moment to be acted on. And I remember that the Greeks have more than one personification of time. They had old Kronos, we know his name, it's in chronometer, chronology, and so on. Kronos is the god of tick-tock linear time, you know, the time that stops everything from happening all at once, the time that keeps things orderly, but in a sometimes boring linear way. But the Greeks had another god of time, his name was Kairos, K-A-I-R-O-S. And he's shown as a beautiful young man who is absolutely hairless except for a single lock of hair over his forehead, from which we get the phrase, catch time by the forelock. When you see him, you've got to act. If you don't grab him right away, he's gone. So Kairos is the personification of opportunity time, jump time, the special moment. He is the personification of the special moment when you know, you know in your shivers that things are working differently. It's a time of opportunity. So I put it together with the mancy bit, which is about divination. And I came up with the word chiromancy, which means divination by special moments, by being present to special moments. But more exciting to me than that word is the word we get from it, which is chiromancer, which sounds romantic. And <laughs> so I'm inviting people to become chiromancers. Come to me and you'll become a chiromancer. The chiromancer is someone who is forever poised to notice these special moments when things are operating differently and to take action, to honor, to celebrate, to do something with and from that special moment. And I'm now teaching a cycle of workshops called Become a Chiromancer. I'm doing one in Berkeley in March. They're quite popular.
Uh, so taking action is the key because recognizing it doesn't really help you much unless you act on it. Well, it, it, can, it can be enough to have, you know, a nice, a nice shiverish, exciting uh, feeling in the midst of the day. The feeling or a warning. Not alone in the universe. I mean, that sense of magic, that might be enough. But I'm greatly in favor of taking action from these special opportunities. I'm greatly in favor of taking action from dreams. Real magic, a path of real magic, which this is, is one I suggest to bringing magic from one world into another world. In our dreams, we seem to travel to other worlds sometimes, and when we learn to do something interesting with our dreams, we can sometimes bring energy, guidance, and healing from that other world, the dream world, into waking life. Through synchronicity, when we wake up to the fact that powers of the deeper world are coming through to us, to take action from that is doubly to practice the art of magic. You're recognizing there's something from outside your ordinary reality which is now at play in your world, and now you're doing something with it. And that the opportunities that are given to you by that can be extraordinary. I, I think <coughs> incredible specific guidance in the play of synchronicity. And when I've acted upon it, things have turned out in a way that would be absolutely unimaginable without that special moment and then the willingness to go with it. Another K word that you introduced to me, and, and I really pride myself on my vocabulary, so it was quite annoying to find words I didn't know. <laughs> Um, is the word kledon from kledon, yes. the Greek. That's Greek, too. And I mean, you can spell it with a C. K, K is the correct old Greek way of writing things that we don't have to stick to if you want to see <coughs> beyond. But kledon, the kledon is one of the favorite Greek forms of oracles. And the Greeks liked oracles, and they went to the Delphic oracle. We know about that. They went to, they went to the great oak tree of, of Zeus. They went to other favorite oracles. But an everyday oracle that they liked to pay attention to is the kledon. What does this word mean? Well, a cladon is sounds or speech coming out of silence or maybe out of the undifferentiated hubbub of a large crowd or a city situation. Suddenly you hear a phrase, perhaps. Let's take an easy example. You hear a snatch of conversation. And it's saying something to you. I mean, it might be terribly routine. The other day when um, the mild winter in the northeast where I lived suddenly turned to a typical frigid, you know, uh, freeze your what's it off kind of northern winter, that morning going out without having quite realized the temperature dropped to five degrees, the first thing I hear from a neighbor is, keep warm, Robert. I mean, <laughs> that's a clean on. It's a pretty obvious in-your-face one. It's a well-intentioned phrase from a neighbor rather than somebody mm -hmm. strange. Uh, let me, may I tell you a short story about a more interesting play done, a more unexpected one, and what I was able to do with it? Do we have time for that? Um, you know what? We're going to come to the end of this segment, right. but then we're going okay. to go on afterwards to recapture the lost time from the beginning. All so right. let's save it for that. Because um, the, the other thing that I really wanted to uh, bring up was that the book elves. Yes. I love this, and probably anybody who knows books and probably all of your literate, civilized, ever so discerning audience uh, like books. Uh, we've all noticed that a book pops up, a book falls off the shelf, a book is on top of the new arrivals in the library of the bookstore, a book is hidden. Sometimes you feel that this is pretty personal stuff. It's as if something is pushing that material into your attention or sometimes hiding it from you. I think this is the play of the shelf elves, and I think every bookish person knows this. Sometimes it feels really big time, and then I might call it the play of the library angel. I borrowed <laughs> the library angel from Arthur Kerstler, who was really very good at many things. 
including writing novels and telling us where society is going, and also writing about coincidence or synchronicity. He talked about the library angel. Uh, and uh, many examples of this. For example, when my first book, Conscious Dreaming, came out, a fellow from the Midwest was in the Boulder bookstore in Boulder looking for something else. A book flies off the shelf, hits him in the third eye, he picks it up, it's Conscious Dreaming. It's, 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 it flew off the shelf, or a shelf elf had flung it at him. He reads it, honoring the moment, and then invites me to his town to lead a workshop. That's an example of a shelf elf, or maybe actually the spirit of that book, which is one of those sorts of flying books that flies around unless you keep it chained down or put in a birdcage. Well, you have so many examples in the book, and we're going to go into them shortly, but right now the live part of our show is coming to a close, so I want to thank Robert Moss, the author of Sidewalk Oracles, for being with us. Uh, Robert, do not go away. His website is mossdreams.com. How could I forget that? Robert, you're, you're such a wonderful storyteller, by the way. I'm just absolutely gifted. Can you give us an illustration or, or some further illustrations about Sidewalk Oracles, about uh, the universe speaking to us? Yes, I want to give a very everyday gritty example. Of course, the book, like my life, has some rather wild stories. There's one called The Death's Head Dominatrix. Look for that if you want to read it. <laughs> I just read that one. It was hysterical. Well, I'll, just, I'll just summarize that very briefly, and then we'll go to an everyday one that will suit everybody's life. <laughs> I was leading one of my writing workshops, which we, talk, which we talk about, and I was writing a story with an old theme. A writer makes a deal with death that as long as he entertains death, he'll be allowed to live. And this is what I'm writing about. Now I'm on a plane going home, and along the aisle teeters this immensely tall woman wearing black leather and a black top hat and high-heeled black boots, and she sits down next to me, of course. <laughs> and I notice that on her gloves, on the backs of her gloves, she has enormous death-head skulls. And I'm a bit slow in starting up conversation. And then she sort of looks at me, she looks around and says, mm, I like this flight. And I look at her, she says, yes. All the seats are full, actuarially, if the plane's going to crash, 20% of the seats will be empty, she says. And we're off into this outrageous conversation uh, about death and the dead and visits from the dead and uh, storytelling and what happens if you don't tell a story well. I won't go through the details because they are almost too outrageous, but th th that's in the book. So that's one example of my personal engagement with synchronicity with, with the, the magnet it's an also example of the magnetism we exert we're following a certain course of study creativity passion and the world around us operates differently things are drawn to us or repelled by us that is again the famous or infamous law of, law of attraction or, or the law of spiritual gra gravitation as the irish mystic a.e george russell called so uh, i get the death's head dominatrix and she gives me such good material but I'd like to give you a very practical example that maybe everybody can relate to, you know, in a more colloquial way. So I have a funny little 20-pound miniature schnauzer, and when I'm at home, my first business of the day is to walk him to the park. So I'm walking him to the park, and I have a question on my mind. I haven't posed it to the world as a question. That's something I sometimes do, and I teach people to do, put your question to the world. I've just got a theme on my mind, and the theme is this very simply. I've agreed to do two big new projects come the fall, and they're both going to require a lot of time and energy, and they're somewhat similar, so there could be competition. I could be engaged in two things competing with each other for two different groups. I'm thinking, can I really handle this? Can I manage this? That's on my mind. A big guy I don't know gets out of a big pickup truck with a big box on his head. He stops dead 
in the center of, of the sidewalk looks at me, looks at my little dog, and he says in this booming voice, well, he can't kill both of us at the same time, can he? <laughs> and I'm looking down at my poor little 20-pound dog and this big guy, and I, I, I stumble up the street you know, speechless for a moment. What's going on here? What was I just told? And then I get it. He can't kill both of us at the same time. He's telling me I cannot do both projects. I've got to drop one of them. So I get a message, and then I take action from it. So this is into the action imperative bit of the discussion. I decide, okay, I have to call one of these people. He's going to be disappointed. He thinks we've got a deal. I'm going to tell him I can't do it. And I call him up. Indeed, he's disappointed. The conversation is very uncomfortable. Then I decide, well, I'll tell him the story. I tell him the story. Can't kill both of us at once, can he? The guy on the end of the phone collapses into laughter. He says, oh, he hoots. Oh, Robert, I get it. Synchronicity. You had to do it. You made the right choice. No hard feelings. It's fine. So that's an example of what the Greeks called a cladon, words coming out of silence or out of just general confusion and giving you a message. That gave me a message for the day. It gave me, it had two parts. First was, you know, here's a decision I need to make, guidance for that. And then, this is beautiful, really, when you think about it, here's a way of conveying the decision that will be human and humorous and make things easy. So that's an example of how this can work in your life, if you're, if you're open to it. I guess the key word is, if you're open to it. So my question is, is the universe always bombarding us with signs and symbols, or are we drawing them to us to the extent that we are open? Uh, well, it's a very interesting question, and it's not an either-or question. Both things could be true, except I must say, if we're feeling bombarded, uh, either we're probably in danger of going nuts about all of this, you know, they're like the kind of conspiracy theorist who sees conspiracies and everything. I mean, if you feel overwhelmed and bombarded, but either it's because maybe you're getting too serious and obsessive about it, or because you have been too thick to get the messages and something working in your cause is trying to come through to you. It might be like that. Mm -hmm. It is, more, in a more general way, it is true, I think, that everything is speaking to us if we pay attention. The question is having discernment so not overwhelmed by the variety of messages. To move to the second option that you gave, this is really interesting. I think we can become synchronicity magnets in a positive sense, in a benign sense, in the sense of attracting the messages, the incidents, the encounters that we need, depending on how we approach life. And you'll notice that interesting and meaningful coincidence multiplies in a good way, in a benign way, when you are following your cause, your calling, your passion, and giving yourself to it. I notice that things work really in really interesting ways around this. When you're in love and you're following the big romance, when you're creating, when you're pursuing a new line of work or study, when you've entered a community or, or a worthwhile cause with other people, things gather around you in support of you because we live in an animate universe. And there are intelligent forces in our universe, I am quite convinced, who come nearer or, or go farther away from us, depending on what we are doing and where we are putting our attention and our passion. So yes, we, we, we live in a magnetic world. We are magnets ourselves. We want to pay attention to what we are drawing or repelling by, by our thoughts and preoccupations, not simply by our actions. Hmm. Is there some simple trick that you can suggest to the listener for how to pay better attention? Well, one thing to do, I mean, just to get out of your own way. I mean, Thoreau said, a man who stands in his own way will find the world stands in his way. We can 
de de demasculinize that and say a person who stands in her own way will find the world stands in a way to make sure you're not standing in your own way you want to check your attitude from time to time one way to do that to check your attitude what attitude you're carrying with you is to uh listen to your inner soundtrack that's one of the games that i suggest just check yourself from time to time when you're not headphone land not overwhelmed by external noise just check what is playing in your head or your mind. It might be a song. You might not be aware of it. It might be a thought. It might be a word. It might be a phrase that you've heard from your mother or your mother's mother or some family history or some former lover or boss. Check your inner soundtrack. Make sure that... And if you find that there's something playing in your mind which is less than forward-moving, forward-looking, energizing, see if you can change the internal soundtrack. That's part of it. Here, here are two everyday games that are so simple. You can do them any time, whenever you like, when you're going out of the house, when you're on the commute, whatever, during the lunch break. Do this. You've got a theme on your mind. Put your question into the, to the world. It, it goes like this. It's so simple. It's so fun. It's so interesting. You, you say, I would like guidance on such and such. And then you do this. The first unusual, unexpected thing that enters your field of perception is going to be your message from the world around you. It might be hard to read initially. The symbols can be mysterious. But you accept the first unusual, unexpected thing that comes up as a commentary on your theme. The other way to play this, and I call this sidewalk tarot, the idea of the world is dealing you cards like tarot, but they're not limited to 78 images, they're limitless. The other way to play sidewalk tarot is to collect three impressions from the world around you during any short period of time you like during the day, the morning commute, the lunch break, whatever you like. Collect three things that you notice in the world around you that strike you as significant or unusual and make a story out of them. Those are ways that you start entering into the regular practice of chiromancy, of divination by synchronicity. Uh, the rest is going to be a world of fun and adventure for you to explore. Well, all you budding chiromancers out there, I really recommend that you get Robert's book, Sidewalk Oracles. It is great fun, and who knows, it might lead to greater things. The, the stories in there are very encouraging in that respect. So, Robert Moss, thank you so much for being with us today. A pleasure, Miriam. Thank you so much. May your best dreams come true. <laughs> From your lips to God's ear. Bye-bye. Goodbye and be back with us next week. Love you.